Right, we are back and we have the host of Out of Pocket on Buckets, King of the Meme. And if you're not following him on social media, what are you doing with your life? Josiah Johnson, what's up, man? How you doing, brother? What's going on, Ledger? Appreciate you for having me on. Man, I appreciate you coming on. And, uh, you know, obviously you're probably the go-to person on social media when it comes to news, uh, when it comes to the memes, when it comes to anything dropping. You have the heat. How do you do it, man? Um, I just, you know, I, I grew up listening to Sugar Free and he said, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. So I try to just stay ready, be ready for whatever. And I just really enjoy, you know, entertaining, networking, communicating with people. So whenever there's a situation that's going on in the world, just try to have, you know, some take on it and, and provide that in meme form. And, you know, generally it makes people, you know, laugh or, or think or, you know, a range of different emotions. So just try to be ready at all times and I really, really, you know, I'm, I'm a child of the internet. I love social media. So just try to be as social as possible with, with whatever topics are going on. Yeah. And I think that's cool because, you know, social media has gotten so huge. I think that, you know, people have been able to use it in so many different ways. Um, you've been able to take a lot of situations that, you know, could that are negative that could be, you know, even worse. And you've been able to bring humor to it. And I think that's the biggest thing is giving people the ability to laugh, especially in this past year. We've had so many things that have happened, so many things that have not given us the opportunity to laugh. Um, you know, how do you continue to find humor in those things? Well, I think, you know, in the black community, we have this uh, great ability, you know, as a coping mechanism to use humor, to use satire, just to be able to get over things like, you know, we can make a joke out of pretty much anything. But I think a lot of outsiders don't realize, you know, when we're making those jokes, that's our way of coping. Like, you know, the black experience in America as well as across the world has been very traumatic, you know, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years and all the things going on in the world, even to this day that we still see, you know, we got to watch, you know, the Chauvin trial where he's, you know, we've all seen the video, the eight minutes, you know, eight plus minutes and still have to go in there wondering like, you know, are they going to find this dude guilty or, you know, what's going to, what's going to be the the, right. the the catch to this whole situation. So really, really for the black community, especially myself, it's just to find those humors and things, but I try to make people think, I don't try to be preachy on, online. So I'll just present something usually, you know, without comment, I'll ask a question or I'll do things that'll get people's minds to open and really think, but also want to be able to make them. It's funny, you know, when that Chauvin situation went down, I had a good friend of mine hit me up and he's like, man, I've been crying all day. And then I saw a meme you put up and it made me smile. And it's just, that's what I, I mean. I know people are going through, especially through this pandemic, all this messed up stuff going on in the world. I just want them to know that they have a place where even just for a couple minutes a day, they can come see some jokes, see some stuff that'll make them smile, make them think, give them some humor to help them get through the day. No doubt. I mean, I think that's the huge, biggest thing is, yeah, we we always we do find ways to, to laugh at everything. I think that, you know, that's what a lot of people don't understand about the black community is that, you know, if we make fun of you, that means that we like you. If we if we joke about something, that means that we're, you know, we're working through something. Um, you know, you talk about the Chauvin trial, you talk about everything that happened. Uh, me as a Raider fan, you know, obviously we had the Raiders post the I can breathe and Mark went back and clarified it in the Floyd's family. Obviously they, they supported him on it, but what were your initial thoughts when you saw that tweet? Well, you know, as somebody who's been, you know, you never want to get ratioed on Twitter. That's kind of like, you know, the, the thing you try to avoid. And I saw that tweet and just the numbers going up and obviously, you know, I think it was in bad taste. I, and I know uh, George Floyd's brother, somebody I think said that after, after the verdict was released, but they're basically taking something that didn't have something to do with, you know, George Floyd was kind of where, but I believe it was uh, Eric Garner, right, with the I Can't mm -hmm. Breathe originally. 
So it was just, you know, kind of, you know, it, it was a, it was a tough situation. I get what their family was going through. And that's, you know, they said that, you know, that doesn't mean now Raiders, I don't understand with the Raiders, I mean, if the Vikings or somebody had tweeted that maybe kind of in line, right. maybe, but even still, but like, what is, what is this Raiders and this team from Oakland now have to say about the situation going on in Minnesota? But I just thought it was bad for him. And, you know, Mark Davis, I don't think he's he's heavy on Twitter. I don't think, you know, he said he's responsible for it. But there is a team of people in place. And if that team can't get through and connect to him, then I don't know who can. And I'm a Raiders fan as well. So it's tough yeah. to see, you know, the team you love, you know, their social just getting ripped apart. But I'm a social guy. So I just kept checking back to just see the ratio keep climbing and climbing and climbing and waiting to see if anybody presented, a, you know, and it was, you know, I've never seen other than like Trump tweet something get so much negative backlash. Yeah. And it's, you know, and whether whatever your intentions were or whatever, like, you know, LeBron tweeted something about accountability with uh, the, the police officer in Columbus, Ohio's face, but quickly deleted it once he realized that, you know, it, it didn't get the right messaging across. There's things that, you know, maybe your intent wasn't that, but, uh, you know, you got to just chalk it up and, and, and take it down. And I think thing is still up. It's, it's still wild to me that they had it up for this long. And I think people were kind of making the joke that you need to hire more black people in social media as a result of that. And that kind of opened up a larger conversation where, you know, you look at these teams and I tweeted something along the lines of you look at these teams and these leagues that are 60, 70 percent black. And then you look at these social media teams that, you know, social media teams stop stop posting group photos because they used to get ether when they did it. Because it's like, how come there's no black people in this photo for this team that's 70 yeah. percent black? And this became like a trend. But like in the photos, they'd be using like African-American vernacular, you know, things like that. You know, some of our buzzwords and slang. And it's like you don't just get to like co-opt this stuff and, and and use it without giving back to the culture. It's not hard to hire black people. And that's the thing I find. I, I work a lot in Hollywood and entertainment, even on that side. It's like, oh, we just don't know where to find it. It's like, bro, like, I'm, how do I know where to find talented black <laughs> right. people? But you got and it's your job to do so. You don't know how to do that. And like, it's just hard, difficult arduous tasks to be able to find. But meanwhile, you guys can find tons of mediocre white people to, to run these accounts and put up content that's essentially just jacking from the culture. So it's been something that I've been really, really frustrated about, especially working in social, working in entertainment and just seeing that world. And these things are avoidable if you have black people on your staff that you actually empower to tell you. Cause I'm sure you show us to a couple of black people in the Raider facility and they'd be like, yeah, it's probably not a good look chief. Like Mark Davis, I get what you're going for, but this is not a good idea. Please don't tweet this. Yeah, I mean, you think about it like for me, you think about it as somebody who's obviously I've been around the organization since birth and coming around. It's like. You know better than this, you know, your dad did better than this, you you know, you know, to think better than that. And if you have checks and balances on that social team, you have a black person say, hey, man, look, this ain't it. And then how do you walk? How do you walk into the locker room and be like, no, nah, no, nah, this is what I meant. I know what you meant. But how do you as a player, how does a player look at that and say? well, what's this about? And how do you not take it down when there's obviously people that were frustrated about it? I mean, you know, the NFL is wild to me because, you know, yeah. it's the same league that, that'll that put in racism underneath the goalpost, right? And then, you know, while simultaneously, you know, denying Colin Kaepernick employing, right. employment and being pretty blatant about it over a mixed message, a mixed message, you know, basically, you know, they said he was kneeling to, to it was it was offensive to the military and veterans, but those same people that said that don't care about military and veterans. They didn't, you know what I mean? Like our veterans are probably the most mistreated. I mean, people, I've, I live in LA, you know, along in Brentwood and San Vicente next to the VA. There's literally like half a mile long stretch of just like tents and all these tents have American flags on them because they're basically saying they're veterans, please don't take my tent down. But they've essentially had to form these communities because a country that they went, you know, willing to sacrifice their life for literally could care less about them. So. 
seeing situations that happen in cap and other type of stuff. It's like, you've got guys that owners that vote for Trump, but now try and start initiatives in the black community. It's such just like a, it's embarrassing to me. I mean, when you really <clears> break <throat> it down to its core level. So even seeing what Mark Davis did, isn't surprising me because you got locker rooms full of guys that, you know, I think of a team like the 49ers and obviously both in his kind of viewpoint and thoughts on, on the world and whatever, you know, you got, you know, guys like Mac Jones coming into the league now who had really, really inflammatory opinions of, of Obama and kind of all these things, but these guys are fine in locker rooms. I think even guys like Richard Sherman, who's been very outspoken about, you know, very, very social issues has said, like, you know, when we're on the field, we're kind of just teammates and that that is what it is. So I think in life, especially we as black people, we have this ability, like, you know, I saw this thing, Doug Baldwin uh, tweeted last, last night, after the verdict and basically him and Cliff Avery were having lunch together and a white woman came up to him and was like, you know, congrats on the verdict. I'm so happy for your race. And it's like, what is that? Like, this is not like an issue that plagues black people. This is an issue that plagues this country, right? right. You know what I mean? Whether it's Asian Americans, black Americans, whatever it be, if people are getting marginalized, Latinos, if people are getting marginalized and treated like shit and dealing with systemic racism, that, that impacts this entire country. It's not, oh, black people now are gonna have a parade. We didn't have a parade because because Derek Chauvin, who murdered George Floyd, got got convicted of murdering George Floyd. We knew that. We were we were more just ready to go take it to the streets and protest. And they call us rioters, or whatever. Same people call us rioters. Had no problem with the Capitol insurrection, but they try to act like, oh, we 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 you know, we denounced that. I'm like, no, you didn't. But you know what yeah. I mean? Like, you denounced that. Uh, we, what about the riots? Like, what about you guys trying to overthrow the government? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you, you know, looking for AOC to into. I, I would imagine not do nice things to her if you found her. And kind of just these horror stories. So we live in this dual world where it's like, oh, that was a couple months ago. Let's move on. But right. it's like, you know, we're not, you know, you know, we deal with racism every single day. We're not moving on from that. Yeah. Who, who there was a there was a comedian that said, oh, that you know, never forget. I think it was Mike Michael Che said, you know, nine eleven, never forget. Oh, slavery, get over that. That that happened a while yeah. ago. You know. So you know, it's always the things that, that we're not supposed to, the things that we're not supposed to dwell on, things that we're not supposed to think on. Um, but you know, getting into it, you know, how do we, we talked about bringing in, we talked about supporting black creators, we talked about supporting minorities. How do we do that? How do we support more diverse voices? And how do we get more people around that? Because we're having a rise, but we're not seeing enough. I think I, I can tell you how we don't do that. We don't do that by just hiring any black person or yeah. any, any Latino person. I think that's kind of the shift now where you see the mentality for a lot of companies. Like I said, I work in the entertainment industry and it's like, oh, we'll just buy up all this black stuff. It's like, it's not it's not enough to just, you know, give a black person a job, like train them, educate them, teach them how to be good at their position. I feel like, you know, social especially has become this old boys club where, you know, and I, you know, you see the stuff I do out of the house. Like I, I literally put about 15 to 20% of my energy into social and, and do better numbers in entire social media teams. I really take pride in that and know anytime a live event or situation is going on, where they don't get the opportunity. You know, I think of like the last dance, you know, when that came out and I know like, I know a bunch of people that are working on ESPN social team. They got those episodes three, four, five, six days in advance. So they got to go through them, trying to determine what we're going to be the good memes, try and pick what they were going to rally behind. Meanwhile, I'm watching that live doing better numbers than them. Cause when I just see something and it hits and we're all watching it yeah. together, it's like, you, there's just certain things you can't teach. You can't see you, whatever. So I really take pride in being able to go against these teams. And I look at it as like a badger monitor when I can put up a tweet that outperforms Bleach Report or outperforms Barstool or outperforms whoever. So I think, you know, really you have to, and I'm not, I'm not an anomaly. There's tons of people who are just as talented as me, tons of people that I meet and interact with that I'll see on social. And I'm just like, yo, you, you don't realize how much you're giving to the culture. I'll have friends that'll get into debates and arguments. And then I'll see that same debate the next day on first take. You know what I mean? I have yeah. friends that'll think that they're, that they're, they're just having a conversation that that's not a big deal. And I always have to kind of jump in and tell them like, yo, save this, like stop giving away 
for free, which you can get paid for because they're going to take your stuff and not think twice about it. We've built essentially a whole culture now where people rob the black community of, of our mm -hmm. natural resources. It's been going on forever. Is Elvis the, the king of rock? No, of course not. Like, I mean, Elvis was jacking black dudes. The Beatles, same thing. Like, yeah. you know, I look at these TikTok stars now currently. You got Addison Rae, who I think Addison is extremely yeah. talented. But the situation, uh, you know, a few years ago, the All-Star game, she, she's co-opting the dances. You know, they have to bring the black creator, you know, fly her out because there was just this uproar. And then I'm watching Jimmy Fallon a couple of weeks ago and we're still doing the same exact things, right? So now she gets the glory for everybody else's hard work, even though they're hitting those dances way, way harder and way better than her. But she's now, because she's palatable and she looks good to, to the white community, that's who they're going to support and rally behind. And, ooh, we love these dances. So yeah. I think the problem for social and other communities like that is, there's all these talented black people out here, but they just aren't getting the opportunity. And it, it's really unfortunate for me when I talk to a lot of them and speak to a lot of them and they'll kind of, you know, share their trauma online. And it's like, yeah, I apply to all these companies and, and they, they tell me I'm not the right fit or I'm not this or I'm not that, but then they'll literally just steal my stuff. So how am I not yeah. the right fit? And you're literally coming to me as a watering hole to steal my content. And I've been inside of a lot of these places. And, you know, there, like I said, there's a lot of mediocre people that are, you know, you know, just just literally co-opting and getting by on other people's achievements, really figuring out, you know, one person does something great or the other five figure out how they can attach their name to it. So now we all did this, you know what I mean? But yep. you got to it's not so much as to give black people jobs, train them, educate them, really put them in position to succeed. I like to say that. You know, I've worked in a lot of industries where white people are generally given the freedom to fail, right? If, if if they don't if they don't meet expectations or whatever, the white boss who looks just like them will say, "Well, hey, you know, I know you tried your hardest because you look like me, so you look like me, so I know you did it. You know, I know you didn't work out, but you tried your hardest. Here's more money. Try it again next time. You know, you'll do better." And we're we're black people. It's like you fail. It's like get out of here, n words. Like you know, we gave you your yeah. chance. What do you? What more do you want? Like you know, what I mean, and it's just. It's something that really, really is bothersome to me. So I'm doing as much as I can to really draw attention and raise awareness to it. But it's not a simple question. It's not just as simple as hire more black people, hire these right. people and put them in positions to succeed. That's the most important thing in my mind. Yeah, because we look around and we look around, we look around social media. There's a lot of talented people out there that aren't working for companies. I mean, like you said, your, your numbers are doing more numbers than anybody out there. I think that you're the go to when when people look for something, when something goes down, you're the account that they go to. You're putting up Steph Curry numbers right now. And yeah, it's sure. crazy, you know, and, uh, you know, obviously you're one of the inspirations that I have. You're one of the reasons why I got into you know, doing doing social media, doing the things that I do, because I see what you're doing. I'm like, man, I want to do that. And so that's, I'm not, you know, that's a huge accomplishment. I mean, I encourage more people like yourself to do that, man. It really, it really, really makes my heart flutter to hear that. You know, I talk to a lot of people and that's the thing, you know, when I started doing this at first, like, you know, I was working heavy on the entertainment side. I had a show on Comedy Central called Legend of Chamberlain Heights. That show got canceled. I was finding it very difficult to get other jobs. And, you know, one of the things I'd, I'd run the, the Legend of Chamberlain Heights social media account. And while I was doing that, my wife was always just in my ear like, yo, you need to you need to do this for yourself because one day the show's going to go away and what are you going to have the show for it? So once the show went away and I had nothing to show for it, I'm like, you know what? You're absolutely right. You know, I'm, I'm a little hard headed and stubborn, but, you know, I couldn't find jobs, couldn't get opportunities. I like I, I like I'm sitting to myself saying, like, I know I'm talented. I know I'm better than a lot of these people who are getting these opportunities. But I also knew that I wouldn't be able to, to get those. Nobody was just going to come and give me an opportunity, right? So I had to go create my own opportunities. I had to go force people to, to, to you know, shove my content down their throat and force them to look at it. And now it's paid off, you know, paid off tremendously. And I'm getting a lot of opportunities and jobs. But this became a, 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 out of necessity, right? I wasn't getting opportunities. So I said, you know what? I, social is a vacuum. I can control everything I put out. I can build my following, the good, the bad, everything. 
So to see people like yourself who are inspired by that, I'm inspired by people like yourself as well, man, because I try and tell everybody, like, go create, go make stuff. You know, you're, nobody's going to give you that opportunity. Like, I'm hosting shows now. If I would have went a couple of years ago and told people, hey, I want to host shows, they would have told me to kiss their ass. Like, you know, yeah. like, what can you do for us? But now that I built up this enormous following, now everybody's like, oh, come host and come do this and come do that. <laughs> and these are things I didn't even know I was capable of doing, right? But now I start doing them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure when you first started doing the show, you had hiccups you had to work through, things that oh, maybe yeah. didn't work out perfectly, stuff you had to learn along the way, but you learn those things. And you don't start out from day one by day 100 You've, you've grown and you've mastered things and you've gotten better. And that's kind of me. I'm always just trying to get better, even on the social side. Like people call me the king of this, king of that. I don't listen to that noise. At the end of the day, you know, Twitter and social is very fickle. If, if you disappear for a couple of days, that algorithm will forget about you. People forget about you. Somebody else will step to the plate. So it's great. I like to joke that, you know, if I was a five foot five white dude putting up the numbers I have, like, you know, ESPN, somebody would have came and said, here's a hundred million dollars. <laughs> Feel the whole thing. You're the most, you know, you know. But I'm a six eight black dude doing it. So now, just you know, it's still like, oh well, you know, <laughs> he has to be doing. He he. There has to be something going on. Like he can't. There's no way he could possibly be doing. You know what I mean? But that's he's got a team world that for we him. Live in. <laughs> Exactly. Like everybody always hits me. Like yo, you got. Yeah, no, you got a team. It's like a team of one, dude. Like I'm. I got two kids and a wife. I'm. I'm a family man. So when these young kids try to clown older people like myself, I always laugh because it's like, yo, y'all are young and got all the time in the world and still can't make heat. Like, what's your excuse? My time is very yeah. finite. I got very limited amount of time between my family obligations, the other jobs I'm doing. I can come to Twitter with more heat than you guys can brainstorming sessions, Slack, graphic designers, a hundred you know, person team. So it's just, it's just funny to me. That's real talk, man. I mean, because I, I kind of relate to that. You know, I got a wife, I got two kids. I work a full-time job and I'm still putting out heat. So, you know, it's, I think it's about, you know, it's it's all in the mind, right? It's all about the content that you put. If you got it, you got it. And one of the things is you got it. Now, there's a lot of people out there that do have it. And what is your advice for them to to just to get forward, to break themselves forward in social media or sports? Marshawn Lynch a couple of years ago, I think after uh, the playoff loss, had a had a great soundbite about just take care, take care of your mental, take care of your bread, like really take care of your mental. Social media is a tough spot, right? Because anybody can create an account. I'm sure as you kind of see your numbers start growing, you know, you're gonna have a lot of jealous, bitter people that want to try and take you down, want to try and take yeah. you out of your element. Just like, you know, same thing we do with athletes or whatever. Like, you know, it's a spot where, you know, people see the good and they call me the king of Twitter. They don't see all the time that people wish cancer on my family or told me that I, they hope I die or, you know, any of those other things that can really sting and burn and do those things. So you just got to stay above all that and focus on the task at hand. You'll know it's kind of like that Raiders tweet. You know, social is great because as soon as you put something out, you'll know what the response is, you know, and, and you know how to adjust accordingly. Right. If, if things aren't going your way, if you're not getting a good response to certain pieces of content you're putting out, shift to other things. Always be flexible. Take, you know, noticing trends, figuring out ways to really get your name and brand out there. There are so many ways to do that nowadays that, you know, I think people got to really just focus on that. And this is a humongous business. It's like a multi-billion dollar yeah. industry. And that's what, for me, it became less about once I realized that. It's like, well, I need to get in this lane. Like once I saw like a Duquan, you know, IG account selling for $85 million to Warner Music Group, I'm like, wait, Duquan routinely steals my content. So if he's worth 85 million, I'm worth <laughs> 500. I'm just, you know, right. it's like if, if, you, if you're rewarding people to curate, curation is easy. Anybody can go mm -hmm. look at a tweet that went viral and say, hey, I should steal this and put this on my page. That's not, you know, the curate creation is where the real money should be at. And yep. the sad part about social is we create, and as soon as I create something that went viral, I already know 100 accounts are going to steal this. Some of them aren't going to credit me. Some of them are going to figure out ways not to credit. And it's like, I'll see my tweets re recycled and regurgitated by other accounts, man. It's so frustrating 
to know. But that's why, like, people trying to get in this game and realize it's, it's a huge industry. So don't sell yourself short. You know, I'm doing branded campaigns now with companies that are paying me obscene amount of money. And it's like, I'm not getting paid that for what I'm doing now. I'm getting paid that for the 10,000 hours that I put into this thing to build my numbers up. If I didn't have a big, robust following, they wouldn't give a shit about me. They wouldn't be paying me yeah. money. But now that I have something they need access into, you know, this huge demo of followers that that are, that are you know, in their demo of what they're trying to sell, now everybody wants to come and do stuff. So don't let these people exploit you and know your value. I think as you, you start to make your rounds in the social media game, at first, once you build up a little bit of following, brands will be like, hey, we'll send you stuff. We'll send you free this or we'll send you free that with the expectation that you'll post it. And like I used to do that, I used to love it, like, oh, free stuff. But then I'm looking like, well, damn, this thing just did like a couple hundred thousand impressions. Like, and you know, on a CPM basis, like I didn't do this for free. I just gave you guys a thousand dollars worth of free promotion for this $30 bottle you sent me. That's not, that's not good math in my mind. So now it's like, hey, we want to send you stuff. Cool. Like send me a bag too with that. Yeah. Based on you know what I'm gonna be able to do for you, so I think for people trying to get in the game, man, just work hard, grind. Don't let anything get in in front of the mental. Like the mental is the most important thing. Keep your mental mental health as, as strong as possible. Don't take any of the negativity. Like I, I wear it as a badge of honor now when these accounts, you know, like people literally take time out of their day to make a burner account to try and insult me. And it's like if they knew like how I responded to that, like it's like you just wasted your time to insult me. I'm, there's plenty of <laughs> plenty of bigger people that you could be wasting your time coming at besides me. Like, it's not going to hurt me. I just laugh knowing that you spent five, 10, 15 minutes of your life to try and like bring me down. Like, it's honestly like it motivates me to keep going. So just yeah. keep fighting through all that stuff and just make, make content, create, make as much good stuff, but learn in the process, learn mm -hmm. what works, learn what doesn't. You're only going to learn by doing, you're going to fail a lot. You're going to succeed a lot. For me, I try to succeed more than I fail, but I put up stuff that doesn't hit. I put up stuff that, you know, gets me roasted or gets ratioed or any of these type of things that people try to act like, you know, it's cancel culture and oh, all you can never come back from like, it's the internet. Like, it's funny, like I'm not the biggest Steph fan. I put up some the other day, got just roasted by everybody. Then I put up a, a pro Steph tweet that literally was my best tweet ever, did like 20 million impressions. This was in the span of like 48 hours, you know what I mean? So this, yeah. is, this is just the world of social that we live in. Now, and the funny thing you talk about cancel culture, because we talk about cancel culture and realistically, I feel like anybody can come back from anything most of the time. You know, if you look at a prime example is Kanye West. Kanye can't Kanye is a dude that tried to cancel himself and he couldn't get canceled. So I think if you if you have the mentality that you're not going to get canceled, that you're not worried about cancel culture, then you'll be fine. Uh, but one thing you, you talked about was burners and, you know, recently you know, I mean, not even recently, but there's been a guy on Twitter that's had a lot of burners. And then there's also a new catfish that's out there. Now, I know you talked about it on your pod, but it, it's close to you guys in Lakers Nation. What What's up with that? That was honest. And this is, <clears throat> this is I'll, I'll say this. I've never been more prouder in the Lakers Nation and in in leading up to that. Yeah. And even in the aftermath. Because when that situation happened and, you know, when you see those things, you don't go in them thinking like, damn, somebody's going to make up a missing persons to try and get right. some clout on the Internet. That's not, you know, anybody would do that as a despicable human being. But to see the way the community rallied behind it, O'Shea, I saw O'Shea, you know, put it up and he's like, look, I don't know. I don't know her. You know, I don't know. He made sure to clarify, which I think was, was great on him. He ended up, you know, saving him from getting roasted by the Internet. He's like, I don't, I don't know her personally, but if she's in Lakers Nation. Let's all let me know what we need to do. So I saw that and it's like, look, you know, I'm a LeBron guy that got the guy basically jumped into Lakers Nation. So I retweeted a ton of people didn't just to see the response when that happened to know how much this community will rally behind each other. You know, it, which, which is which is frustrating now because as people pointed out, when it happens again, it's not going to be that, you know, there's right. going to be this doubt and concern that goes into before we move. But 
just to see that. But then the whole aftermath of it, I was monitoring it. And that's one of those moments. It's like Temecula. I don't know if you were, you were, you were, you yeah. were heavy in the Twitter that, but that's just one of those moments where you can't, because I had so many people in the aftermath, like, yo, what happened? Explain it to me. It's like, I, I really can't explain <laughs> it to you. I can't, I can't. Like, I can yeah. give you kind of the bullet points, but just monitoring it real time. Because I kept seeing this Teflon Reek account and he kept like taking shots and, but he was getting just roasted by Lakers Twitter, right? They were just, you know, like he was getting like death threats and like, how dare you, how dare you say that this, that, whatever. But he kept being like, yo, this is, this is not real. She's not a real person. Like I guarantee you, he basically was like, yo, in like a couple hours, they're going to say they found her and woo, woo, woo. You know what I mean? And like everything he kept saying kept happening. And he's just like, yo, he's like give me my flowers. I don't even like flowers. I like balloons. Just give me my balloons. But the way this, you know, the way this dude, was out there, but from that, and then my, my boys over at Elite Elite Media Group, they 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 jumped on the Elite Spaces, and that thing had like three, four, five thousand people on it, which was just you know another anomaly. But they brought in people that she had catfished and kind of slowly started to reveal the story. And now we're looking at Photoshop to her at Lakers games that are. And I find like you know I grew up in like the old the old internet era and instant messenger and, and those type of things, mm -hmm. and even with like the Manti Teo, the Nakaku, and all that type of yeah. stuff. But you want to believe so much when you're in on the other side of it. Like you want to believe it's like, what, what would somebody have? You know, she, that, that kind of like 14, 15,000 followers. And that's always my thing when I look at socials, like just checking the numbers, the baselines to make sure that this is a real authentic account. Like are those followers real or whatever? But the funniest thing is, that this person, this character, Viv or whatever the character was, was like in Raiders Twitter before, like moved from Raiders yeah. Twitter to Lakers Twitter. Basically was moving around like team Twitters and, you know, establishing relationships and everybody's saying that it's the uh, the other kid who did the podcast with her, which is oh, like, yeah. if you do a podcast with somebody, you're going to have a face to face at some point. Like if, if you hit me up to do a podcast and every time I'm like, yo, let's FaceTime or whatever, let's, let's, you know, go over these things. You're like, oh, I can't do that. I can only do it with my voice. It's like, I'm, eventually I'm going to be like, yo, I don't know if Kenny's a real person, dog. Like, I think, yeah. I mean, like I've talked to him, but like he's sending me these Photoshop pics and they don't really look like, <laughs> you know, I'm just saying like, he's at the Raiders game, but the, it's obviously Photoshop, but you know what I mean? But talking to you now, oh, you're a real person. You're living, breathing, moving, shaking, you know what I mean? Like, so <laughs> those are the things you got to figure out. But to see the way that Lakers Twitter rallied behind it and Kevin Durant, which, you know, me and Kevin have gone at each other in, in, in previous times, but I always have the utmost respect for him. My anger and frustration with Kevin is just the fact that he he destroyed LeBron or tried to destroy LeBron's <laughs> legacy by coming to the Warriors and, and busting those cheeks for, for that, that period of time. But to see KD, KD is one of the realest, most relatable human beings. And he got a lot of shit for the burners back in the day. Yeah. But this dude is, is a humongous, you know, obviously he's got a lot of bags he's got to worry about, but he's just a regular dude too. So to have him jump on the spaces and, you know, he just picked up some food. That was a hilarious thing to me. He's like, man, you know, I just picked up some food. I'm going to jump on for a couple minutes. I just want to hear what's going on. And then like, you know, he starts becoming Dr. Phil, asking the dude who got catfished, <laughs> all types of just intricate, like legendary <laughs> questions. But, you know, like, oh, you didn't, you know, but honestly, it became a thing where it was like half roasting, but half like really trying to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. I'm like, you know, how could this really happen? But I think, you know, for me, like Lakers Twitter, we took an L, it's still Lakers in five though, that, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll use this as motivation to fuel us through the playoffs. We'll do it for the memory of the bot, the bot Vivian, who, uh, <laughs> you know, took Lakers nation by storm and then disappeared like a fart in the wind. <laughs> and then and then the the funniest i think the funniest one was when she tried to when they tried to post the video of her name and the name was spelled differently with the with the en <laughs> it's like man and i mean at, at that point i'm just like are you guys because I, I work a lot in television graphics i mean i did to do graphics for tv networks like if you 
don't see that and see the E and not the A, like, yeah, why are you posting that video? Or you're just doing it as a joke. I don't, I mean, I just really couldn't tell if it was deliberate or not. Like, you know, there's always a lot of like fake shit on social where, you know, oh, people yeah. are trying to run a scam or run a game on people. But it's like, how do you look at that with an E and you're like, all right, just, let's go, just run it. Or maybe you're just so frantic in that moment that you didn't notice. I don't know. I think that's about, I think that's the thing is, so one of the things with socials is giving people, you know, the ability to scam. And so when people do, when people do do good things, it makes, you know, people get weary about it. I remember last year, me and my boy Cody, we did a, uh, we did a fundraiser for youth sports in Vegas. And people were like, well, where's this money going to? And we're like, Hey, look, here's the, here's the link. Here's where it is. Here's a screenshot of the money. We, we went and we like handed them a big old game show size check. And we're like, look, here it is. Because, you know, you need that verification. There's been so many people that have been burned on social media that, that you need to have that verification. It's sad. I mean, it's sad, but it's real. I mean, that's just what happens is there's people that are going to take opportunities and do that. But, you know, yeah. it is what it is. Um, you know, one of the things I want to do is I know that, you know, you you on your podcast, you do some funny, you do some funny things and funny scenarios. And I want to take a page out of your podcast. So my question is, who is one fictional coach that you'd love to play against? And who's it you'd love to play for? Fictional coach to play against, and I'm not even a football guy, but Bud Kilmer from Varsity Blues, just <laughs> I don't like the way he did his players, so I would love to just stick it to him. And then coach I'd like to play for, I'm not going to say Coach Carter because uh, he, he, you know, I'm trying to get in that gym, Coach, and get, get some jumpers up. You can't be locking me out. But uh, ooh, I'm going to say uh, Pete Bell from uh, Blue Chips because he okay. was breaking bags. He was coming through with the bag. Eventually, he had a change of heart. So if I could have got in, you know, when he got Neon Boudot and Ricky Rowe and, and Butch McCray been a part of that that recruiting class, I would have definitely rocked with that. And really, you know, I'm gonna need my mom would have needed a house, and my pops would have needed a job, you know, on the coaching staff. And I think he would have came through with that. Yeah. Okay. So that that's funny. Um, so I would Kilmer's a guy that I would love to to get stick it to as well. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a different one. I'm gonna go with. Uh, Wow, what was his name? Coach Bo, what was it Red Bo U from uh, from Waterboy? You know, oh, just yeah, seeing yeah. seeing him on the sideline, visualize the attack, <laughs> turn him into a little baby, sit there and just go full go full Bobby Boucher on him and just knock him out on the sideline. But uh, Bobby Coach Boucher, but a guy I would love to play for, and it's actually not even a guy. I don't even I don't even remember her name, but Rhea Perlman in Sunset Park. What was yeah. her name in Sunset Park? Cause she was, she I, was a G. I, I don't, but that movie, I, that that movie, I want to say Sunset Park and Eddie. And I, I did some research recently, but Sunset Park and Eddie came out within like a month or two of each other, and I just yeah. think that's that's super random and hilarious that these two women coach movies came out. But the way that she turned that that crew around, Spaceman, the young Terrence Howard, Spaceman, that was one of my favorite movies. I think you know in that, that time frame. But yeah, now she she was about her business and she was learning on the fly, so I think you'd be able to help her you know, kind of get to where she need to get to. Yeah. Space is funny. Cause spaceman reminded me a lot of myself when I played basketball, because I played like a football player. I can't play basketball to save my life. I play defense really well and I shoot like shit. And so, you know, you watch spaceman, you just go out there and foul people and, you know, do your job. And that's what I, that's what I would do when I would get out there. So I kind of, I kind of drew a lot of parallels. Hey, fo football players hooping. Like I went to UCLA and like in, in the off season, like football dudes would play pickup games and we couldn't play with them obviously because them dudes would just be out there just reckless. Like, you know what I mean? There would be the yeah. occasional, like I was in school when like Freddie Mitchell and Drew Bennett and dudes like that were there. And I remember one day before our practice, Drew Bennett who went on to play at one point, he was like one of the, the 
the, the most desired wide receiver. I think there was like one free agency window when he was like a top three or four wide receiver, hilariously enough, but he was a backup QB at UCLA. But Drew came in barefoot and was like doing windmills and doing the greatest dunks ever. <laughs> and then like Freddie Mitchell came in doing the same thing, but he was more of a football player. So football, like, you know, you guys are like bruises or whatever, but the finesse isn't there. So Freddie could like jump and do any dunk he wanted, but he couldn't land. So every time yeah. he landed, he would like fall over and like he couldn't, he couldn't like figure out how to land properly, but he was doing all these crazy dunks. But man, because you guys got the most freakish athleticism. So it <laughs> translates on the court. I'm just saying you get like a yeah. six, eight, 300 pound offensive lineman. They can go out there, do windmills and go through their legs or whatever. But when it comes time to land properly and stick that landing like a gymnast, like dudes yeah. is falling over. It's hilarious. Yeah, man. It's man, Josiah, it was great having you on, bro. We man, we had some good laughs on here. Um, you know, you've got a lot going on and you talked about some projects you have. What uh what are some projects we could be looking out for? Uh, so I did a show with Ava DuVernay and uh, Colin Kaepernick and Michael Starberry called Colin in Black and White. Uh that was in production. I think, you know, they're still in production, but it should be coming out hopefully in the near future. They haven't announced a release date, but looking forward and excited about that. Uh doing, you know, uh out of pocket on on buckets with the good folks at wave TV. So super excited about that. And, you know, I mean, I always got some things in the works, some, some, some things in the wings. So developing a bunch of shows and projects and, you know, working on a, a podcast I concept that'll be coming out very soon. So just trying to stay busy, stay hungry, really maximize. Nice. Nice. Now, if you guys aren't following King Josiah, make sure you are. It's King Josiah 54 on Twitter. And it's the same on Instagram too, right? Yep. I'm more heavy right. on Twitter though. You know, oh, yeah. IG is just, uh, you know, I'm trying to figure it out, but the Twitter algorithm, we're good friends. So I just work with that. I like to work on that. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out IG too. I feel like if you're not posting pictures of your food or or of a pretty dog, then you're not getting, you're not getting the likes. So I stay on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You already know. Well, brother, I really appreciate you coming on. I'd love to have you on again sometime. And uh, anything you want to say to the listeners before we go? Just keep grinding, everybody. Take care of each other. You know, be good people. And whether you're black, white, Asian, Mexican, or anything else under the sun, man, let's all try and work together to become better human beings. There you have it. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.